You are now listening to the Inner Circle Podcast Network. Buongiorno, buenos dias, good day. Ni hao, konnichiwa, bitches. What is good? Thank you, everyone who can hear my voice right now for tuning in to Abacabu Cafe. Welcome to the podcast. I want to start with tremendous thanks and big ups to our new patrons, Roma C and Tala Y. I do hope that I pronounced that correctly. If not, but I do apologize. I did my best with that one, my friend. Today, we're going to be talking about Kimagure Orange Road TV episode 24, entitled, Introducing Kazuya, Be Careful Around the Panic Kid. This episode originally aired September 14th of 1987. Its director is Toba Takayuki. This is Toba's first episode, and Toba will be back for one more. This episode was written by Tomita Sukehiro, which is a name that you should recognize at this point. Tomita wrote episode four, The Disturbing Sea Experience. Episode seven, The Spark-Colored Kiss. That was a very important episode, as you may remember. Episode nine, which is Kurumi, I'll Teach You How to Date. Episode 15, which is the episode where Ayukawa tries to give up on Kasuga for about 10 minutes. He calls her 18 times, and she figures she can't shake him. Episode 20 was also written by Tomita Sukehiro. That's Shikaru witnesses some shit at camp. Tomita also wrote episode 21. Today I learned that the Japanese love Wuthering Heights. And at this point, only Terada Kenji has written more episodes than Tomita. So uh, unfortunately, Tomita, you better watch your back because uh, one thing we know about Terada Kenji is he guards his record very jealously and he's not above violence. So just keep your head on a swivel, dog. In this episode, we're going to be introduced to a new character who does play something of an important role. He is not a character of the week. He's going to come back in several future episodes. And that is the character of Kazuya, the panic kid, as referenced by the title of this episode. That is the cousin of 
Kasuga Kyosuke, Manami, and Kurumi, and general all-around smarmy shit and troublemaker. I think a fair question to ask yourself at this point is, does the late introduction of a new recurring character signal some kind of creative stagnation? My mind is not made up yet. I don't know. As I'm going to talk about today, Kazuya does serve some important functions, and he finds a niche for himself that's not quite filled by some of the other side characters. So he does have a purpose, although a lot of people want to throttle him. So as a piece of trivia, Matsumoto Izumi, who I don't need to tell you is the creator of this entire media franchise, the man we wish to honor with this very podcast, Matsumoto Izumi is the pen name which was used by Tarashima Kazuya when he wrote manga. So Matsumoto Izumi, of course, is a pseudonym for a man named Tarashima Kazuya. So he named this Kazuya character after himself, apparently. What does it mean? I think there are a lot of characters in the Orange Road media that could be considered reflections of the author. Master certainly seems like something of a authoritative presence. He seems to know things, privy to some knowledge about what's going on with the characters, maybe even knowledge that they themselves don't have. In the manga, Matsumoto would appear as a uh, kappa cat. It's like a creature that he invented himself that, that is his avatar within the manga. And then the Kazuya character also seems a bit like a know-it-all, also seems like he's there to maybe help, maybe hinder Kasuga. But I, I think it's a bit of a nod. I mean, if you name a character after yourself in the work that you're creating, I do think it means something. It's a little weird that Kasuga initially does not recognize Kazuya. More likely, he's never met his young cousin. This is despite Kasuga knowing and remembering well his cousin Akane in OVA 4. I think likely the scenario was written as such to allow Kasuga to remark that meeting Kazuya for the first time is like meeting a younger version of himself. It was like looking into a mirror, he said. His physical resemblance to Kazuya is a matter of some importance in this episode. It's brought up a number of times by several different characters. So, it makes sense that Tobo wants to establish it early with, with Kasuga himself. But Kasuga, Manami, Kurumi, Ayukawa, and Shikaru all separately note without any prompting that Kazuya looks incredibly like Kasuga. Even still, it seems like a stretch not to know your own cousin, especially when you're all espers. Seems like that would be a little bit more of a tight-knit kind of family community. You share a secret like that. But Kazuya is only five, so maybe, maybe we let Kasuga off the hook for not recognizing him. Of course, it falls on the Kasugas to watch Kazuya while his parents are house hunting. They wind up moving in right next door to the Kasugas. That way, Kazuya will be around for future adventures. He'll be able to meddle some more. Kasuga Takashi asks one of his kids to take their cousin to play so he can focus on work. Kurumi immediately takes Jingaro to go study, yeah, right, which only further supports my theory that she's actually the one in control of the Kasuga household. Manami, ever the dutiful daughter, she does her thing. She takes it upon herself to 
escort Kazi outside to play, but Kazi insults her instead. Therefore, the buck stops with Kasuga. It's a bit of a contrivance to get Kazuya to land in Kasuga's lap for the day, but it has to happen. As Kasuga attempts to exert his authority and lecture Kazuya about watching where he's going, Kasuga, of course, bumps into this large, delinquent, punk type in what's kind of an ironic twist and a little bit of a subversion of authority. Remember, anytime Kasuga acts authoritative or appeals to the mores of the past, the patriarchy, the the idea of even having authority passed down or bestowed upon him by based on his hierarchical position as the eldest son in this family, there's oftentimes uh, some subversion of that. The rug is pulled out from under him here. He's trying to lecture his young cousin about watching where he's going. Meanwhile, boom, he bumps into this giant man who's ready to kick his ass. It's also a bit of a stretch that Kasuga doesn't know that Kazuya is an esper at first. I suppose if he doesn't, if he's never met Kazuya and he doesn't know Kazuya, and his father Takashi didn't take the time to explain which side of the family he's from, maybe he presumes that his cousin Kazuya is from his father Takashi's side of the family and therefore doesn't have the esper gene. Kasuga takes a minute to piece it together, but eventually he gets there on his own. He eventually figures it out, and before the commercial break. Now, in some ways, Kazuya seems to be a typical five-year-old. He's very precocious, but naive, especially with regard to social situations. Like He talks back to the delinquent punk guy as if he had no way of knowing that, of course, that's going to only further provoke the delinquent punk guy into a violent confrontation. He also touches Ayuko's breast offhandedly as he hugs her. It's as if he doesn't really have a knowledge of how that might uh, make Ayuko uncomfortable or these personal boundaries, because kids don't, kids don't understand that, right? Anybody out there with kids, you understand. Young kids don't care. They're not thinking about your breasts or your genitals. They're just stepping on them. But it also becomes clear that he uses his youth to his advantage. Kazuya conceals his guile and wit behind his precocious childlike veil. So despite her work obligations, Ayukua agrees to spend the day with Kazuya at his insistence. Think of episode 8, where Kasuga is begging Ayukua to return to the photo shoot on the beach. And if she won't return, then neither will he. She compares him to a child in that sequence. It's almost like a small tantrum he's throwing. He's really kind of putting his foot down. He's not exactly throwing a tantrum, but he's saying, I'm not going back. If you're not going back, I really want you to go back. But if you don't go back, fuck it, I'm coming with you. So Ayukawa likens him to a child in that in that instance, and I think there's a little bit of that in Kazuya here too. Kazuya insists that she spend time with him, so what can she do? She has to blow off Master yet again. She was blowing off Abakabu in that end of episode 8 to go take the pictures with Kasuga and his dad. So she will consistently blow off work for this family here. Now, Kazuya did properly what what Kasuga screwed up in the previous episode. Kazuya expressed a direct and honest sentiment that he wanted to spend time with Ayuko. He wanted to be near her for no other reason than that he likes her. 
Meanwhile, we continue to see evidence that Kasuga doesn't know shit. He actually thinks he's the telepathic one, and that he's projecting his thoughts into Kazuya's mind. At nearly the same time, Kurumi and Manami tell Shikaru that they don't know where Kasuga is, and that he's out with a kid, like he took the kid out. And so, of course, Shikaru then assumes that Kasuga, who's 15 years old, has a young child that she hasn't known about for the last six months. That's a perfectly sensible conclusion to make when you hear that your boyfriend is out with a kid. It's got to be his kid, right? Because that happens all the time. 15 and pregnant. I think it's a show on MTV. All these kids in the 80s were watching MTV. They don't know what I'm talking about. So this episode is shaping up to be kind of a clusterfuck of unnecessary and contrived misunderstandings. We finally get some insight as to Kazuya's motivation at about the midpoint of the episode. He claims that he was just trying to get Ayukawa and Kasuga alone together, and that's why he pushed Ayukawa off the jungle gym. There's nothing like breaking her neck and sending her to the hospital. A hospitalization really brings people together, right? Because Kasuga could go visit her in the hospital, bring her flowers. I don't know how uh, pushing her off the jungle gym is, is a great idea. Maybe it's it's an opportunity to give Kasuga the, the, the chance to be a hero and catch Ayukawa and maybe fondle her while, while they're down, which does wind up happening. Although Kasuga doesn't get smacked for his fondling of Ayukawa because he did break her fall and he was not trying to fondle her. It wasn't an overt attempt to touch her breasts. So she lets him off the hook. He's equally as embarrassed as she was. So there's no smacking of Kasuga in this episode. But here at the playground, we get an insane Umao and Ushiko appearance today. So they're living out their Tarzan and Jane fantasies going across the ropes or whatever. And it's like several of the more recent Umao and Ushiko appearances. It's just ridiculous. It's over the top. It's it's so hyperbolic. There are now emerging two distinct flavors of Umao and Ushiko appearances. There are the realistic human appearances where they are just these poor people that have the misfortune of living close enough to the Kasugas to be semi-regularly terrorized by them. This version of Umao and Ushiko appear in these kind of smarmy, soap opera-ish scenarios that are nonetheless well within the realm of possibility. They're always minding their own business. They're just trying to have a moment together. And their idyllic moments just get absolutely ruined by the gang, usually Kasuga. Now, the other flavor is this ridiculous, unrealistic, non-sequitur at times cutaway in which they appear and, and they don't involve our characters at all. Here, they're simply seen swinging across a kid's jungle gym as fully grown adults. They're some of the older characters in the show, by the way. They're swinging across this jungle gym at the, at the playground. They don't speak to any of our characters. They don't bump into any of our characters. Our characters don't see them. They don't see our characters. They're really, this second flavor of the Umao and Ushiko appearances exists solely for the audience. They're not even interacting with the rest of the world. They're almost not part of the diegesis, right? They're, they, they're in the world with them. Presumably, they're on the same playground. It's interconnected enough in terms of the narrative, but uh, they're completely unnecessary. Whereas some of these other side characters that aren't always super popular, I'm thinking of Komatsu and Hata, I'm thinking of Kazuya himself, they at least serve a purpose. Even if you want to strangle them, 
And sometimes that purpose is giving you somebody to want to strangle. But with Uma Anushko, there is no other purpose except a wink at the audience and to keep us wondering where and when and under what context Uma and Ushko are going to appear. Today, we got the second flavor. Ayukawa expresses that she has a soft spot for Kazuya. She's willing to let him get away with anything. And this ties into earlier comments about Kazuya's extreme resemblance to Kasuga physically. It's a reference to her nice, saintly willingness to put up with all of Kasuga's shit. And Ayukawa says as much to Kasuga. She's not very subtle here. She implies that she indulges Kasuga in a way that she would not extend to others. And despite her lack of subtlety here, Kasuga still wonders what she meant. As he's wondering why he can't peek inside her mind, Kazuya finally lays it out for for Kasuga. Kazuya is the telepath, dude. We hear an echo effect when Kazuya is communicating directly with Kasuga's brain. It's a small stylistic effect for the audio track, but it does help make things clearer for the audience that the dialogue is not occurring through the medium of the air. He's not producing sound waves with his vocal cords that then interact with Kasuga's nervous system to create meaning in Kasuga's brain. He's he's directly projecting his voice into Kasuga's brain. So it's a small thing. It's not a huge stylistic touch, but it does help clarify for the audience how this communication is occurring. The channel of communication is important, and typically you can see the character's mouth is moving or not moving in Kazuya's case. Sometimes the character's on a telephone. It's usually pretty easy to tell. Here we have a non-standard channel of communication, and so the stylistic touch does serve a purpose to help the audience understand that this is occurring telepathically. And just after the eye catch, Ishikaru finally catches up to Kasuga, and she sees Kasuga together with Kazuya, and we cue the contrived misunderstanding. There are a lot of contrived misunderstandings in Orange Road. Honestly, you could call it Kimagure contrived misunderstandings if you wanted to, but this one is egregious. Somebody needs to help Ishikaru with the math on this one. Kasuga would have had to father Kazuya when Kasuga himself was only 10 years old in order for them to be 15 and 5 respectively currently. So their resemblance can easily be explained by heredity without Kasuga having to be Kazuya's father. And given the logistics of a 15-year-old boy having a 5-year-old son, it is a tremendous stretch for Shikaru to assume that Kasuga is the father. So the problem here is that this misunderstanding doesn't do Shikaru's character any favors at all. It actually makes her seem kind of dumb, ditzy. But in Anohi, we're supposed to believe that she's known all along, that she's not as ditzy as we may have presumed. Now, Kazuya decides that he likes Shikaru as well. Kazuya here is kind of a simplistic reflection of Kasuga. He likes both girls for their unique qualities. To a lesser degree, he pursues both girls. He insists that they both spend the rest of the day with him. And at this point in the episode, Kazuya really starts to meddle. He thinks he's going to do Kasuga a favor by telling Shikaru Kasuga's true feelings about Ayukawa. And I think Kazuya's straightforward approach is less a reflection that he knows something Kasuga doesn't And it's more of an indication of Kazuya's innocent naivety. 
because he's got some of that in him, despite the guile. He balances his guile with some innocent naivety. And we see evidence of this in Kazuya's future appearances. Also, he's not exempt from some of the relationship difficulties that he would seek to help his cousin Kasuga resolve. I mentioned earlier that that Kazuya finds a niche for himself. He meddles in a way that uh, most of the other characters don't, which gives him a very useful function narratively, even if you want to beat him savagely with a rubber hose. He meddles because he doesn't understand that adult life is not as cut and dry as he imagines. In Kazuya's brain, things are much more simple than they are when you're an adult. That's why ignorance is bliss. That's why you get to be happy-go-lucky and carefree when you're five years old. And given that the focus of Orange Road is so much centered on the passage from childhood to adulthood and the implications that passage has on interpersonal and especially romantic relationships, it really makes a lot of sense to juxtapose the younger, more naive approach against more mature relationships that might involve more emotional baggage. For example, in a recent episode, Kasuga was given a brief window into Shu and Yukari's relationship. And his romance with Ayukua, by comparison to theirs, seems simpler, almost more pure, uh, certainly more naive and innocent of a relationship than uh, Shu's and Yukari's presumably is. And so considering Kazuya in this context, it gives his storyline yet another grand purpose, which is framing Kazuya's relationships from a different angle, from the angle of someone who is younger looking into Kasuga's relationships and how they appear to someone who has a simpler conception of a romantic relationship. Now, Kasuga has to run a little damage control on Kazuya with Shikaru here. He kind of ditches Ayukua in a rare instance while she's standing there holding Jingoro. He's got to chase after Shikaru to catch up with her because she's come off the ride with with Kazuya and she's crying and doesn't want anyone to, to talk to her again. We see that Kasuga really doesn't do much for Shikaru. He really only acts to preserve the relationship when it faces a rare crisis like this. As I've said before, it really seems Kasuga would be better off if he did let Kazuya do his dirty work for him. But for some reason, Kasuga can't seem to let his relationship with Shikaru go, even though that relationship is an impediment to his relationship progressing with Ayukawa. Toba here cuts to a tight shot of Kazuya's face as Kasuga chases after a hurt Shikaru. It's as if Kazuya is suddenly realizing that Kasuga is juggling both women, and Toba uses a bit of this cutting, a bit of this editing technique, to highlight Kazuya's realization. It's like the light went off over his head. It's dawning on him that there's this wrinkle to these more grown-up relationships that Kazuya wasn't really considering before. It requires a bit of effort, but Kasuga convinces Shikaru to disregard whatever nonsense Kazuya told her. Shikaru quickly resumes her bubbly attitude and proclaims that no one would believe that Kasuga prefers Ayukawa, which is a nod and a wink to the audience because, of course, all of us would very much believe that Kasuga prefers Ayukawa. I think I've been saying that on many podcast episodes. There's no evidence in this episode from a filmmaking perspective to tell us whether or not Shikaru believes Kasuga or if she still maybe believes Kazuya, 
but it is fairly consistent with how Shikaru behaves in Anoshi. Toba uses a little bit more editing here when Kazuya spills milk on himself. Toba cuts to another tight shot of Kazuya winking, and then he cuts back to Kasuga's big, dumb face looking pretty clueless. So we know that A, Kazuya winked at Kasuga, and that's what the editing tells us with these sequential shots. And B, we know that Kazuya meant to spill the milk. It wasn't an accident. And that was to give Kasuga an opportunity alone with Shikaru. So despite Kazuya's innocence and naivety, he's really quite capable of guile, as I mentioned before. Ayukawa taking Kazuya to clean up is very motherly of her. This is where her maturity really shines and it makes her seem kind of warm and familial. And we know that Kazuya is something of a a proxy for Kasuga to her. So her behaving in that way towards Kazuya is like her behaving in that way towards Kasuga himself. There's some really nice things that the filmmakers are doing with the colors in this scene that give us the impression of sunset. The lighting is this very warm golden yellow and the shadows cast across the floor are very long, and it's a really great way to to communicate the end of a day to us visually. And so I really appreciate the way that scene is animated. I've always enjoyed that. We even get a genuinely sweet moment between Kasuga and Shikaru while they're alone at the restaurant table. Shikaru laments not having any siblings for her to feel close to, Kasuga announces that he's there for her while placing his hands over hers. I think it's a reflex of Kasuga's to try to smooth things over with people and to make them feel better if they're feeling down about something. It's really more evidence of his people-pleasing tendencies, more so than it's evidence that he loves Shikaru in some romantic way. So I, I believe he doesn't want Shikaru to feel lonely And I think that's because he has a genuine concern for her and a genuine fondness of her. He might even pity her a little bit too. That might be in the mix. But I don't think it's an indication of his ultimate preference. I still think he ultimately prefers Ayukawa. Nonetheless, he doesn't want Shikaru to be feeling blue about anything. He doesn't want her to be feeling down. He certainly doesn't want her to feel lonely. But it is shit like this that continues to string Shikaru along when it might be better to let her go. Kazuya and Ayukawa return in that instant. No doubt they witness Kasuga being sweet to Shikaru as evidenced by a slow zoom in on Ayukawa as she's looking away off camera. We know that she's trying to avert her eyes as if she didn't see what she just saw. Ayukawa is obviously trying to be cool with Kasuga possibly for the sake of appearances in front of Shikaru and Kazuya, but Kasuga's opposing pull towards each of the girls is very much a focal point of this episode. Again, thinking he's helping Kasuga, and again, signaling his intent with a wink, Kazuya gives Kasuga the opportunity to be alone with Ayukawa. That kid don't ever stop winking slyly. People are going to think he's got a tick. There are some great shots of Kasuga and Ayukawa riding the train, that help draw attention to the silence hanging over them. Ayukawa seems a bit warmer to Kasuga after he pushes this train pervert off of her. In a very direct expression of sentiment, it's really hard to misconstrue, Ayukawa tells Kasuga that she wants to go somewhere, just the two of them. Now, as a telepath 
Kazuya seems very powerful indeed, especially given his age. He's only five. It could be maybe because he's uninhibited by the need to conceal his power. He uses it all the time because he doesn't understand why the older kids conceal theirs. Certainly it's because he's naive to adult ways. He behaves very much like a kid at times. And at other times, like I've said before, he manipulates, he schemes in a manner that's beyond his years. I think maybe his meddling seems a bit similar to Akane's in the sense that he thinks he's acting in Kasuga's best interests. He thinks that whatever he's doing is going to be the best thing for Kasuga despite Kasuga's protests. This is unlike Kurumi who meddles just because she wants to watch the world burn. And also unlike Komatsu and Hata's meddling who meddle really because of their latent jealousy of Kasuga's success with girls. Like the twins, Kazuya expresses that Kasuga should just hurry up and decide between Ayuko and Shikaru. However, at the end of the episode, he does ask Ayuko and Shikaru rather cryptically if they're happy with things the way they are. A tight shot of Ayuko as she looks down indicates that she understands Kazuya's meaning. But before either girl can answer the question, Toba cuts away to later that night. Ayuko is at home in a room playing the saxophone, which we all know she does when she's in her fields over Kasuga. We even see her recollecting Kazuya's question. Cutting back to Kasuga as he climbs the 99 and a half stairs, we see Kasuga's own hypocrisy as he tells himself that the way things are now is not okay. So to wrap things up, personally, I never cared much for Kazuya. He meddles too much. Like, what the fuck does this little shit know? He's five. He's trying to give Kasuga love advice. GTFO, kid. Despite that, we get a pretty solid episode here. We get some nice visuals with the artwork. And the cartoonish, exaggerated Looney Tunes elements are more subdued than in the previous episode. Also, we got no Yusaku, no Komatsu, no Hata to suffer through, very little twins. Without these characters, the comedy doesn't seem quite as forced. The comedy is definitely turned down a little bit in this episode, and it allows for a good focus on the nature of Kasuga's relationships and his contradictory pull towards each of the girls in his life. Then, Toba does the smart thing and allows the question of whether or not the principal characters of Kasuga and Ayukawa are satisfied with the current love triangle dynamic to hang over us with no definitive answer. Speaking of doing the smart thing, why don't you do the smart thing? Do the real thing. Head over to patreon.com slash team Almy, where you can sign up for our Patreon. You can support team Almy podcasts. The makers of such fine programming as you have listened to today. So please go check us out. We've got special features, bonus content coming all the time. We're going to do a watch-along, commentaries of each episode. I'm making a katsu-san for y'all. We're going to do some fun stuff. I'm going to actually deep-fry a pork cutlet and put it between two buns and try to make it look and taste exactly like it does in the Orange Road TV show for you. So check us out on Patreon. I very much appreciate it. Also, check out my other show, Creatures of the Night. I'll put a link for that in the show notes. 
Check out innercirclepn.com for more podcasting. If you get bored during the week, you know you need more podcasts. We got more podcasts for you. Inner Circle Podcast Network, innercirclepn.com. And you can hear a ton of other great shows. I got some great news for you guys. I got some really wonderful news. Today, we've got some brand new outro music by my man's Earl Knight. I'm going to put a link to his YouTube in the show notes where you can go and check this stuff out. But he just dropped something like nine or ten new Orange Road remixes. I'm going to give you one right now. And there's more to come in the coming weeks. Check out my man's Earl Knight. He does excellent, excellent work, especially if you're into remixes of anime OSTs. Check him out. I'll catch you all next week.
to record Kimagure Orange Road, episode 24. This is Kazuya is a Punk Bitch. Should be the name of the episode. I don't think it is, but it should be.